Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special recording of the United States Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. My name is Joe Margelina. Joining me, as always, when we talk lacrosse, is Dairyfield AD and boys head coach Chris Hetler. Chris, these are indeed probably the dark days of the lacrosse calendar. How are you faring post-holidays? Well, as we talk about often, Joe, the, the lacrosse season never really ends. So all I see is the beginning of a new season and the uh, beginning of a new year and getting ready to go. I mean, the countdown's on, right? We're, we're about three months, a little less than three months away from the start of the season. March, March, Monday, March 20th is going to be here before we know it. So getting excited, man. Ready yeah. to go. Yeah, I always feel like the start of um, of that that uh, second session of, of indoor with the with the Tomahawks is uh... – is kind of like basically there where we're right. at week six out of seven next week this this coming sunday and uh yeah it feels like you, you get over the hump at that point and then you really start to see the light at the end of the tunnel at exactly that point. yeah yeah uh well uh you can always send uh or as always send us questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com don't forget to follow us on twitter facebook instagram uh i, I made a tiktok page this past fall i, I think that's a new thing for uh uh, for all of us, uh, and, and I, I just have to remember to update it uh, at times, but you can follow all of those at NHHS Sports. Uh, I'm, I'm still learning on that one, uh, haven't, and, and I don't remember to post much there, so uh, hopefully we'll, we'll correct that. Joe, I that. promised myself I was never going to get a TikTok, but that, yeah, might, yeah, that might drive um, me to do it. I might have to check that out. Well, the, I, I've justified it. It's, it's, a, it's not a personal one. It's a, it's a business one. There you go. <laughs> um, you know, so, so I, I, feel, I feel like I'm still safe. Um, or I'm, I've been able to stay away from it, but I don't know, maybe, maybe you, you know, other people would, would argue that, uh, it'll be entertainment no matter what. <laughs> well, uh, so we, uh, well, last we spoke, I think it was what early September, you know, just as the, uh, the class of 2024 was starting to, uh, approach, you know, their, their window to start committing to college, um, and we had wanted to have a few more conversations in between then, and of course that didn't work out. Uh, so today we wanted to just kind of cover a, a kind of a, a bunch of different topics. Uh, starting with that, of course, we had, you know, a lot of those kids uh, starting to commit uh, this year's juniors, and then a bunch of seniors, of course, uh, have signed um, back in November, starting in November, I should say, uh, on signing day. I know you you had um, a couple of your guys. Uh, all signed letters on that first, or that was the Wednesday in November. I'm forgetting the date. Yep, we did it. I think we did it the Thursday after. We did oh, it like Thursday, a day, okay. day or so afterwards. And and uh, yeah, it was great. We had uh, uh, Tate Flint and, and Quinn Silvio signed to go to Merrimack next year, Division One. And then uh, Ethan Flanagan is is heading out towards my neck of the woods, out to Ithaca, Division Three Ithaca next year. So proud of all three of those guys. It was a fun, really fun event. Um, you know, definitely something I, you know, I don't know what it was like when you were growing up, but I, I didn't get to do that. In fact, I mean, the, the, the recruiting world, I tell the story all the time, the recruiting world has changed so much. Like I didn't even take my first visit until Thanksgiving of my senior year. Wow. Uh, wow. I, I didn't commit to Colgate until February of my <laughs> senior year. And then, uh, I still got calls from, uh, Notre Dame and Hobart in April of oh. my senior year before graduate. Like wow. that just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. like. Um, the whole timeline is just sped up and stuff. So it's, uh, but it, it's great for these guys. And, and the, the signing days are a lot of fun. I know at Dairyfield we do for our, our kids who are uh, division one and division two commits and, and already fully committed, or if they're a division three commit and they're already in, or a division three player and they're, they're already into school, we do a signing day uh, in November. And then um, we do one in the spring as well, sort of a celebration day in the spring for the kids who are, are waiting on admission at that point. I think a lot of schools do that now. Yeah, um, and it's pretty neat. Yeah, it's it, I mean, you know, you you asked me what I what I was. I, it wasn't even on my radar. It wasn't even I didn't even know it was a thing no. uh, when I was in school. Part of that was probably because I didn't you know, I wasn't going anywhere to to do anything athletic. Um, you know, I, I went the other route and I went to school and, and, and watched other people play sports, which uh well, I mean, I guess I'm still doing now. That so. can be fun too. Yeah. Oh well, believe me. Uh, well, I mean, I've, I've told you some of the stories, and and I certainly certainly don't mind sharing those. Just I don't think this is the place for them. Uh, uh, Pitt, Pitt athletics was pretty good. Back it was. In the day. I I lucked out. I lucked out. I got to cover uh, a couple NCAA basketball tournaments, uh, a lot of football games, and uh, my I, my senior year was the year that uh, Larry Fitzgerald was in the Heis was a Heisman finalist. So. We went to uh, New York City for the Heisman Trophy ceremony uh, that year, uh, which was 
I, I don't know if I'd ever do that again just because of how much of a mess it or I shouldn't say a mess. It's just there's a lot going on for, you know, you're not able to see. A you're lot. more of a New Hampshire guy. You're more of a New Hampshire. Little, little, little fast yeah. pace down there. Well, yeah. it's it, OK. <laughs> I'll just I'll just get it. They they have the ceremony. And, and what you see on ESPN is not what the rest of the media is doing. Like the, the like, let's say the event happens on like the first floor. And any non like TV media is up on like the twelfth floor watching it on TV. I think I think there's a lot of listeners feeling bad for you right now, Joe. A, a twenty <laughs> a twenty something year old Joe Marcellina got to hang out in New York City at the Heisman Trophy. I'm sure I'm sure it was a terrible time. It was sure it was it was just no awful. fun at yeah, all. Yeah, we yeah, we we drove out we drove out that afternoon, uh, covered it, and then turned around and went back. Oh. <laughs> So that sounds was, like uh, you yeah. probably. That sounds like poor planning right there. That, sound, well, like, that, no, that sounds that's like a bad college road trip. More like more like college kids that didn't have uh, the finances to stay in New York well, City for, okay. for a night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, now that I've completely sidetracked us, um, but yeah, I, I the, the the thing I remember about signing days, like I, when I came back up here, um, you know, two thousand five, two thousand six, um, you know, I feel like they they were starting to become more of a thing in this part of the the world you know i i feel like you know in your football hotbeds of the south and and the west you know it was a bigger deal then and i well the first one i i went to up here uh you know back in 2006 was at sauhegan when they had you know rich lapham who was signing to play football at bc and sean jellison who was going to to unh and and i remember that they had in the auditorium they invited a whole bunch of media uh, of course, students came in, um, you know, so it was this it was this big deal, um, you know, and I and I asked you in the email, I was like, I feel like I don't get, you know, I used to get a couple of these every year where it was like, hey, do you want to come do this where I was having to pick and choose what I'm going to, you know, or hoping that someone was doing in the morning and then the afternoon. Yeah. Now I don't hear I, I you know, I, I maybe will get photos afterwards. Well, I think I think there's a couple of things there. One, I think it's it's become more prevalent, right, with the rise of, of club teams and other things like that. And it, it's really a celebration of the work that all these kids have put in over the years. I remember when it first started happening, I didn't know how it really felt about it. I felt like it was kind of it just felt weird and like, you know, we're making a big deal out of this. But it really it really is a big deal. Like these kids have poured years and years of their lives into this. And it's a culmination of, of all the effort and, and energy and hard work that and parents money and travel time that they put into it. <laughs> And uh, it is it is something to be celebrated. So there's that. So it, it, it definitely has become more prevalent here since the mid you know, 2000s when it first started happening in New Hampshire. And then I think with, you know, with the rise of social media and how easy it is to share, uh, you know, just media and pictures and everything like that. Um, you know, I, I think there has been less of an emphasis on that and and the fact that, you know, you know this all too well, you know, Union Leader, Concord Monitor, places that used to cover high school sports a lot more, Nashua Telegraph, they, they've cut back on that staff and it's just not things that, that tend to get covered anymore. And um, you are willing to do it. So I, I think we do need more of our schools to reach out to you. Maybe that's something that you get You got to put that out, man. You got to you get put that out to ADs, I think. I Yeah, to... definitely uh, on my list of things I, I've got to, you know. I, I guess maybe some New Year's resolutions, if you will, uh, for for the site for this year. So a couple of things on. But there was a lot of cool. You did a good yeah. job. You you collected a lot of photos and you tried to post them as they came in. I know you know club. Just speaking from the lacrosse the lacrosse side of things, I know um, you know Four Leaf and Tomahawks and Hooligans and HGR and all the club programs around here. They do a nice job of, of posting on the signing days when those happen, and it's fun to see. Some of them happen at home. Some of them happen at school. Right. Um, but all of them, you know, it's the coaches are there. That a lot of times, like you said, you know, the, the, the kids at school get a chance to come and, and, and see the uh, the hard work that, you know, the culmination of the hard work that the kids have put in. And it's fun. It's a, it's a nice opportunity for the, the kids to celebrate, you know, what they've done before they go and off to school. I do actually have a couple more photos to add to that uh, to that file uh, that is still up on the website. Uh, NH-HighSchoolSports.com should be in the top right corner there. Uh, if you go looking for that and if you still want it, want me to add your photo, um, please feel free to send it in. Um, love to get it up there. I uh, would like to, that's the goal is to get as many of these in there as, as I can. Um, you know, uh, I, it probably makes the page load a little bit slower with all those photos in there, but, uh, but you know, they'll be there. Um, you know, so like, like we had said, um, you know, I said at the top, we, we talked about some of these signings and some of the commitments, um, back in September, you know, were there any, any ones, uh, that you saw, you know, that, um, caught your eye that, that came out maybe since then, 
Um, I know, I guess we've had a lot of 2024s commit since then. Uh, some of the, I guess you'd say bigger names um, that we were, we were kind of curious to see what they would end up doing. Uh, but anybody stand out to you? Well, I mean, let's just start. Let's let's honor the seniors. I mean, we've had, you know, we had a really strong, what do we got? There must have been, if you go back to the podcast we did in the fall, we had uh, we had over 20 commits in the 20 in the 2023 class, you know, ranging ranging from D1 to D3. A lot of actually a lot of D1s in there. Um, I think if you go back to that on your, is it still up on your on the on the website there? Like I think you posted uh, all the kids I, at one point, didn't you? I may you have. There? I'm not. I'm not sure, but I, um, I know I've got it in in our email here. Um, but regardless, we had over 20 commits at that time. I think if I'm my memory serves me right, I think we had 23. And then since then, we've had another uh, another seven commits. So we're up to over 30 commits um, for the 2023 class for lacrosse in the state here. Uh, I guess Britton Dunbar, um, he's going from STA to STA. So he's going from St. Thomas to, to St. Anselm. Uh-huh. Um, you know, big, strong defenseman out there. Um, you know, happy for him. Winnicunit had uh, Antonio Francioso. Um, he's heading out to Western Connecticut State. Um, Chris Prangley from BG signed to go to Keene State. Uh, Braden Tracy from Hollis, uh, another defenseman going to Riviera, staying local. Uh, Ryan Garrett, uh, goalie from Campbell, is going out to Regis. And then Carlo Catanla uh, from BG is going to Endicott. So we've had had some guys uh, staying, you know, local area here um, towards the end here in the in the 23 class. So it's been a nice nice finish to that class as well. And I, I think there's still a few more out there that are probably waiting on admission um, to some schools as well. Um, actually, so yeah, I got a yeah, I actually got a um, few others that I guess were late or <laughs> kind of late additions here too. Um, you know, Tyler LeBlanc, uh, one of the goalies out at Pinkerton. Um, yep. going to Newberry College. Uh, Justin Shapiro, who plays uh, is a defender at Exeter, uh, also going to Western Connecticut. I like, you know, I like seeing that too. Is is guys from uh, from different schools that are going to the same college? I'm I'm curious. Like, do they know each other? Do they, you know, how does that? Do they they form a bond there from from you know coming from the same state, or or do they just yeah. like another guy? Um, I I don't any anyway. Uh, Caden Caswell, another defender from St. Thomas, going to Franklin Pierce, and then uh, Aiden Lindsay, defender from Cole Brown, uh, going to Lake Forest. So yeah, uh, that's got to put us put a, the state, you know, just and just on the boys' side too. At at I'd say probably close to forty total at this point. I think we're close to forty, and then uh, I actually he'll kill me that I almost forgot, but I had some good news over the weekend. Uh, my my senior defenseman Tyler Latiri uh, just got into Emory Riddle, so he's going to be playing. Excellent. He'll be playing down in Florida next year, right. down there too. So yeah, I mean an incredible, you know, great great twenty twenty three class, and um, you know transition a little bit. The twenty fours have just been unreal. Um, I mean. <laughs> You know, the, the 23s had some really good D1 commits, and we've started off really strong um, on the D1 side for, for 24s there. By my count, uh, there are currently at least seven, if not, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, we've got over eight early, early D1 commits here. Uh, Zach Amen from Portsmouth recently just signed with Bryant, a uh, friend of the show. And uh, we've got <laughs> Finn Moran who, from BG, who just... Uh, just uh, signed with Sienna. Um, and then in the fall, I, I think we had talked about these guys or they were close to signing. I think we talked about them as guys that were, that were going to be close. signing yeah. soon. Yeah. Yeah. Will Murphy, the goaltender from BG, he's going to Bryant. Um, Owen Williams, the attackman from Exeter. He's going to Jacksonville. Uh, the Dumont brothers, Alex is going to Loyola. Brady's going to Villanova. Uh, face off, face off uh, specialist Cole Frank from Pinkerton's going to Lehigh. And then Caleb Young from BG is going to Stony Brook. I mean that that's a pretty good collection of uh, of D ones really early in the process right now. Yeah, I was really interested on the uh, the Dumont brothers there um, going to different schools, and I, I had a chance uh, this past week to talk to Alex a little bit, just kind of you know what, you know what was that the decision like trying to trying to decide to go to separate schools, and uh, you know and I'm I'm sure you know I'm sure they're both. Uh, you know, pleased with their choices, and, and, and it'll be good to probably, you know, it, it'll be tough not playing with each other, I would imagine, but but probably also good to kind of, uh, you know, start their own paths separately. Uh, yeah, you branch I, I out yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I thought that exactly. was and, interesting. And, and you get to play, you know, you might even get to play each other. Just, right, too. right. Yeah, yeah that, that'll definitely, we'll have to keep that one on the, or, or look out for that one in a couple of years, uh, see if they do play each other. 
instead of the heard? instead of the Cam- instead of the Cameron brothers going, it'll be the Dumont brothers going head to head there. Right, and they they will actually would end up more likely uh, being head to head against each other rather where you know whereas uh, Brian and Sean are, are both uh, offensive guys. Yeah, um, you know Alex and Brady would uh, would be seeing each other on the same you know same side of the field. That would be fun. Is there so? A, yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I want to give a shout out to, uh, Sean, Sean Cody from, uh, you know, the goalie at, at Goffstown as a, as a junior, he's already, he's already committed to Franklin Pierce. I I'm really impressed with it. Franklin Pierce is bringing in some really good kids. We yeah. talked in the fall, uh, Caleb White and Ryan Siapi, both from Winnicott, they're going to Franklin Pierce. Um, you know, Franklin Pierce seems to be really targeting, uh, you know, trying to keep guys home and keep them vocal, uh, here and they're, they're bringing in some good, good players there. So, um, you know, good for them and good for Sean. Yeah, and that's I mean they're they're in the same um you know with with St. A's and 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 Snoo, right? They're they're kind of all kind of competing in the same not necessarily their um same division, correct? Compete they're in the same division. Any yeah. 10, um you know, I would tell you uh, you know from the standpoint Snoo Snoo can, you know, they can they can recruit nationally in terms of like, you know, where they draw, you know, you leave the state, you turn on the television and there's an advertisement for for Southern New Hampshire. Um, online there so you can you know they, they've got to reach um, incredibly well uh, across the across the country um, you know I think the other intriguing thing is Merrimack has already moved up um, there's rumblings that um, Lemoyne out of New York you know another perennial national contender in the NE10 they're going to be moving up so you know there's going to be there's in the next couple of years if, if Lemoyne does move up there's going to be a fight for that okay who rises to the top at that point you know i after seeing, you know, we can talk a little bit. The, the last time we got together, um, you know, I was coaching with Scotland there, and we had the tour, and we kind of played. We played Bentley, we played St. A's, we played Snoo. Um, you know, so I got to see a lot of these guys. I would tell you right now, St. A's looks really, really good. Like their their depth, they've got some they've got some big time athletes there. Um, I put them slightly ahead of Bentley. And I would put Bentley slightly out of snoo, but I, it would not surprise me if if any one of the three of them knocked each other off. And then, you know, I think Franklin Pierce is is doing their due diligence. They're trying to they're trying to keep up with those guys um, and and bring in some good local talent there. So uh, the NE10 could be a lot of fun over the next couple of years. Excellent. That should be yeah. And, and it's it's you know it, when you add in uh, a lot of these guys too, it just it, that you know it's. It's fun to see see teams like you know that that you're familiar with kind of competing, but then when you add in guys, you know those teams have those guys on them. It's it makes it so much more fun uh, to to follow and watch. And I think we got to do we got to do a little follow up too with with Sean Houlihan. We got we got to do a little. We did some you know some <laughs> right, UNH yeah, prop right, right. four. They've got a lot of local flavor on their team as well, and they just released their schedule recently. They they've got an incredible schedule. Um, I don't have it sitting in front of me, but they're going to be road warriors this year. They're really testing themselves. I know they're going out to Colorado. They've got a California trip, uh, West Virginia. Um, there aren't, they, they, they've got their local team, you know, they're playing Northeastern they're playing B, um, BC, you know, the typical teams that they play within their conference here, but they, they've really challenged themselves out of state and um, it should, you know, if they can survive it and win, win their division, it should, it should pay off when they get to the playoffs there. But we got to, we got to look at them too. We got to get Sean back on and, and um, you know, talk about the local guys that he's got on the team there. So we talked about, you know, the, uh, the guys that have now committed, signed to play in the college uh you know next year and the year after you know we we've got um some other changes that have been going on you know i i feel like um you know this year maybe more so than ever uh but every year there's obviously new coaches and 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 high school sports that does you know you don't have you know very often coaches that stay for you know 30 years or whatever um there's a lot been a lot of turnover in, in the coaching ranks on the boys side this year um it, do, it does feel like every year it feels like we've got at least you know half a dozen or so but this year i mean we've got by my count unless i'm missing we, we've got at least nine openings um you know some of them uh two-thirds of them have been filled um but you, yeah you're gonna have potentially nine new coaches and some of them more assistants we can talk about that in a second but um yeah there's there a lot of a lot of coaching turnover this year i mean at least at least three in division one um you know, and with there only being twelve teams in the division this year, that's what like a quarter of the quarter of the division is yeah. going to have new coaches. Um, and you know, and some of them were guys who were were you know, uh, not you know long like I said, long time coaches, but guys that had had been around for a little little while. Um, yeah. You know, you're looking at uh, 
you know, Bedford, Londonderry, uh, Nashua South in, in Division One with with new coaches. Uh, Division Two, I may even need your help here because I don't even I'm not entirely sure I've got them all. It's Alvern, right? Bow, uh, Goffstown, Pembroke, Wyndham. Who am I missing? Merrimack Valley. Uh, Merrimack Valley. Yep. And yep. then uh, I think Division Three is that the only. Uh, there might not Division actually... 3 is the only one that I don't yeah. know of any openings right now. I, it, uh, I'm just trying to go through my head of any of any I've seen. I haven't seen any. I don't believe I've seen any any open in there um, right now. Um, but I mean, it has. We, we've done a pretty. We're we're in a pretty good place. I mean, you, you mentioned you mentioned D1 um, out of the. Uh, what do we say? Out of the. What do we have? Four. We had four teams. Salem, Salem, oh, is, right, is, right. Is, Salem, as far as I know, is the only one that's still open right now. Um, I believe Dave Wiedenfeld was recently announced as the the Londonderry, uh, the new Londonderry head coach. Will Delanoy, who was at Pelham before, he's been an assistant at Riv, uh, has taken over at South. And then Drew uh, Drew Boudreau, uh, who was an assistant at Bedford last year, has has taken over the the head position there. So. Uh, three really good hires there, in my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah. Three guys that you know are are gonna help help stabilize those programs, and then you know I know Salem had some offers out. I just I haven't heard of any any hires yet. I, have you heard anything? I I haven't. I have not either. I, I you know, and yeah. in some cases, I you know, I I think I texted you last week that I hadn't even heard that the Bedford you know that there had been a change there. I, I heard, you know, at the end of last season there could have been one, but nothing you know nothing else beyond that and then i you know just out of nowhere i you know someone mentioned it to me and and i texted you and i yeah so a lot of these are are surprising to me um surprising but it's going to be a good staff i mean drew was able to uh former goaltender matt howe from the program there is going to come on and and uh, continue to to work with drew um so that that's going to be a power tandem right there that's going to be a, a nice group there to work with and then, um, you know, as we know, Wiedenfeld was a was a former Londonderry player, right? Um, so he's got connections with the with the program there. So that'll be a good fit there too. Um, speaking of former players, Bo Bo brought in uh, Devin Calkins, uh, Paul Calkins' son, SNHU. Um, Paul Paul's the head coach there. Devin played for him, and he's been a former. He was a former player of Bo too. I remember uh, before we moved up to Division Two, we scrimmaged them, and he was a phenomenal player. Um, you know, very very good, and he's very passionate. He's getting getting things going on social media and stuff for, for them and, and getting guys out playing uh, indoor and stuff like that. So, you know, um, I, I think he, he's got the potential to bring Bo back. Bo's got a chance. They, they moved down to Division Three this year, um, got a chance to kind of build things back up there and bring back some of the, the prestige and pride to the program. I mean, that's a – I want to say they were – they win – I want to say they won Division Two like a couple three times, times in yeah. a row, like yeah. twice, I think. Something like that, yeah. And on the D two and on the D two side, other coaching changes that have occurred. Uh, Corey Allen is taking over for Gosstown. He's a former SNHU player. Uh, he was the assistant with the program last year. Um, another former assistant, Sean Gill, up at Merrimack Valley, he's taken over. Um, Bill Lawson, who was at Gosstown last year, is making the jump over to Pembroke, trying to re reenergize, revitalize that program. They had big numbers last year, so Bill's got some stuff to work with there. Um, you know, so he'll take over there, add some experience there. And then, um, you know, kind of as we talked about, there's a couple other openings in D2. Alvern, I believe, is open right now. And um, Wyndham's another one that I know has had feelers out there. But as far as I know, hasn't announced anyone yet. I don't know if they have anyone, but they haven't announced anyone yet. So um, I think that's it. So by my count, we're going to have at least 10 new coaches this year, um, which is crazy to think about because there's only, you know, 40-something programs in, in the NHIA. Yeah, that's just a it's a mind boggling number. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned the so, social media there with Bo, and uh, and I've actually noticed it not just with Bo, but but Bedford, Merrimack Valley. Uh, yeah, I know it's not not a new coach, but Bishop Brady, they're also big on on the social media. Um, it, it's just it's funny seeing all this stuff and being able to it, you know it, it, I like it. it being able to keep tabs a little bit on what's going on, um, you know, even in the off season. Yeah, and it's you know it's really used as a motivational tool. It's used to kind of get kids excited and get them to want to come out and stay in the program, and also a way to show your kids that like you're really invested, like you're passionate about yeah. the program. You want to see the kids get better, and 
you know, that that's half of it. Relationship building is huge with kids now. Like they, they want to know that, you know, you care about them. You're invested to see them getting better and, and you want to see the program get better. And, um, you know, social media is a tool that a lot of the coaches are using now to do that. Uh, the other kind of, well, I mean, we, we already, you know, we talked about the end of last year, that the changes to the, to the two year, you know, with it being in the first year of a two year cycle. So obviously there's going to be changes as we get into next season. But we don't tech, usually get, you know, big changes like in the off season around this time. And, and I, you know, I noticed the other day uh, on the NHIA's website that there, it looks like there's going to be changes made to the girls playoffs. Uh, you it, know, I mean, for an off season, this was a fairly big change. Yeah. They, oh, absolutely. They usually don't. They usually don't do stuff like that. Not not at this point in the year. No. Um, but it looks like, you know, finally they're going to get away from, you know, it had always been eight teams. Division one, division two, II, division three made the playoffs, regardless of the number, you know. But this year, I think division two has eighteen teams, division three has nineteen teams, or it might be the other way around, uh, and only taking eight from that, I, I just that would have been tough, um, you know. So they they added or they changed um, this year to to make it the go by the seventy percent rule, you know, which has been in place for a couple of years, just. Not necessarily. What would done. that do? Would that add? What would that bring it up? Well, to about I think um, Division One. It doesn't make a big change. I think it adds right. one team. Um, so there's nine playoff teams um, instead of eight. Uh, I think in in two and three it adds up or bumps it up to twelve or thirteen somewhere in there. Uh, but what that what that really does? The big change that it makes is it adds a round of playoffs. So you right. know, it had always started with quarterfinals, semis, and then finals. Now you're going to have another. Um, you know, an, an opening round for all three divisions. You're potentially what that means. You're potentially playing on Memorial Day or like right after Memorial Day. Kind of like that happens on the boys' side in D two a lot. Where right. in you know, depending on the way the calendar falls, you know, you're making that decision. Do you take? Do you give your team the whole weekend off? Do you practice? Do you, do you get a late practice on Memorial Day weekend? You know, um, that that's really the big change there. I actually, the extra round, I don't so much mind. Um, the years when I think it was only 12, when we were in Division three, it, it was nice to have a bye, but at the same time, you almost felt like it was a disadvantage um, because they, they were playing, and the game was probably, you know, it was tough. They pushed, they got pushed a little bit, but still, they, and now you're playing a team that's kind of in that rhythm when you, you've been out of it for a while. Right. You know, so I, I didn't necessarily think buys were a great thing in high school. I can yeah. see for like football or, you know, a little bit more contact like that. But um, I wasn't a huge fan of the buy. I'll be honest with you. Well, when you it always made me nervous when, when you add in, you know, the, the holiday weekend, and the time off. Yep. I mean, you're talking almost two weeks sometimes that teams aren't playing, you know, depending yep. on when your regular season ended. If you if you left a gap there to, to schedule makeups, if you needed them or not. Yeah. So it's it can be a, a long layoff. The one thing, the one thing that I will say, but but once the playoffs start, you, you can't do it. But the one thing I'll say, the way we used to get around that is we would schedule it, it when the regular season ends and before the playoffs to play scrimmages again at that point. And so we would always we would always schedule a scrimmage then to kind of stay fresh if we if we did have one of those buys at that point. Right. Um, so probably more coaches on the side will take advantage of that rule. Um, if they do find themselves in that situation. So from my perspective, my initial reaction was, was all right, you know, more playoff teams, more playoff games. I I like this, but then I I started thinking about it and I like it only if they don't make this overlap with the boys. And and that's what I can see happening. I, if, if that championship Saturday now turns into the three girls games at one place, the three boy games, boys games at another place, which is what they do for baseball and softball. Um, then I, you know, I split it up, play them, play like Friday and then Saturday, or you know, make D three Thursday, D two Friday, D one Saturday. I don't know, something like that. That has been the way even before. That's the way they were kind of they were kind of doing it. I was, um, you know, because I think I want to say the girls game ended. Uh, the girls championship was like on a Friday or like midweek. It felt like it, yeah, you know what, it almost felt, I think it was like on a Wednesday, it felt like when yeah. we were playing our semifinals, they were playing well, yeah, the they, finals. Well, yeah, they did, they overlap with the semifinals, yeah, yeah which is, yeah. is frustrating. Which and, is frustrating, too. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's the only, it's, girls lacrosse, right, before this change, was the only sport the NHIA sanctioned that had its championship game midweek. Well, like, I think that also has to do with the, the limited amount of venues that right. we have, you know, with the with colleges there, there there's so few venues, and, and the other problem uh, that I've 
I've heard is, is the main hit. You know, we're like, why? You know, let, let's use Southern New Hampshire. Let's use St. A's. Um, if a lot of these colleges are are on, you know, summer hours at that point, and and they don't have the staffing that they normally do in season, like when when UNH runs football or they go up to Plymouth for basketball or other places like that, they don't have the event coordination staff. And you're like, you know, most people are like, well, we can work around that or whatever. It, it's harder, like, to put on an event like that. You really do need your rounds. You need, you know, ticket tickers and all that kind of stuff. Feels like maybe the NHL could do something about that, but if if the college isn't willing to to go down that route, that that's the big problem. Right. Um, and trying to do it, so you, you really run into a limited amount of places you can hold the events. Well, well, I, I I'm cautiously optimistic at this point. Let's let's put it that way. I'm I'm yeah, hoping for I mean, the it best. Limited, it might force them. It might actually go the opposite way, Joe. It might force them to do it on different days because of the limited number of venues. You know, you might get your wish. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, one other thing I wanted to bring up with you, um, you know, just because it's it, it's dominated the sports world this week. Um, I'm sure by now everybody has heard, if not seen the video of um, what happened in the Monday night football game this past week in, in Cincinnati. Bengals Bills, where uh, Bills safety DeMar Hamlin makes a, a tackle um, what looked like a normal, you know, commonplace tackle. Um, gets up and then immediately almost falls down, um, you know, goes into cardiac arrest on the field, has to be, gets CPR on the field, is taken to the hospital. Um, you know, and the reason I want to bring this up is is because it, it's, you know, it, it's it, as, de- as violent as football can be, th- this case was felt like a one in a million. Um, this isn't the kind of thing, and we don't know specifically what happened if, you know, if Hamlin had a... a um, some kind of previous condition that they haven't discovered yet or what exactly, you know, happened, but it's, it looks similar to what you sometimes often see in baseball and softball and, and in lacrosse as well, when you get hit with a ball. Um, and, and, and this is, this, I guess, go connects to the issue or, or the, the discussion recently with the chest protectors and, and, and boys and men's lacrosse. Um, what, you know, that, that's a new thing that they've added, or an, an upgraded piece of equipment they've added recently, correct? Yeah, and it really came about from, as you said, it, it, it is rare, Joe, but it, it does happen. Um, there were some instances, believe it or not, it wasn't even goalies. There was, I believe there was a, a couple defensemen that, that have been hit over the years by, by a call at just, well, I, I don't know what to call perfect, because I really, that's, that's not the right word for it, but just the, um, it hits at the right time and the heart skips a beat. And, um, honestly, if you don't have, um, you know, a defibrillator right near the field, um, you know, it's very, the likelihood of being able to restart the heart, um, is really, really low when, when time starts ticking and that, um, you know, so I think there were a bunch of things that have come out of it. One, they, they've tried to increase the protection in, in uh, lacrosse pads. Um, the new chest plates have um, plates that are designed to basically deflect the impact of the ball into um, basically spread out the impact. It sort of lessens it, you know, almost like um, kind of like military technology where they use, you know, when a, when a bullet strikes, you know, a, a vest, you know, and kind of disperses the energy, right? It's, it's built to do that. It's the same thing when lacrosse ball hits. It, it, that energy is dispersed over a wider area. And in theory, lessens the impact to the heart and other, other areas of the body there. Um, there's been some good things that have, that have come out of that. And I think also the, you know, increased emphasis around having a full-time trainer and, and having, you know, um, emergency medical equipment near the field and things like that. It's easy to say it's a one in a million thing, but it, you know, you saw there, it's tragic when it, when it does happen and if we can avoid it, why not? Right. Um, you know, and I, I, we talked about this a little bit before. I think it's going to bring up some in- interesting conversations in the PLL where, if you notice, those are some pretty tight-fitting uniforms. Right. And a lot of the yeah. guys are not wearing the chest protectors and the protective uni- uh, the protective gear that, that they could be wearing there. So it'll be interesting to see how the PLL responds to that, if there is a response to that, you know, or is it just, you know, you take your own risk and, and you go out on that field and you just play. Um, but I, that's honestly one of the first things I thought of. was like, man, you know, at the PLL, they're, they're not really wearing that equipment. No, kind they're of not. Like, the refs and everybody, they're, they're mandated before before the games to come up and, and ask the coaches and check. And, um, you know, that you basically can't buy equipment without without that new um, technology in it now. Yeah. 
And of course, um, you know, as as we're we're, we're doing this, um, you know, Thursday night, um, the update today was that you know that Hamlin was, um, you know, able to communicate, um, you know, and and looked like he had control of you know his um, hands and feet and was able to move around. He moved them around and squeeze ha- you know squeeze his family's hands, doctor's hands, and communicate through writing. And I I guess the <laughs> one of the first things he asked was who won the game. Um, which I, you know, just, it's, I, I guess I'm not surprised to hear that from a, from a, I would uh, say he won the game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, well, that's great to hear. I, I had, uh, I had briefly seen, I hadn't, I hadn't been able to read the article yet, but I briefly saw that they, that he was communicating. That's, that's great to see that, um, you know, they're, um, scary, scary stuff. Um, but you know, I guess it's it's good that we've got that we've got the technology to hopefully help prevent that in the sport that we're talking about here. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we wanted to wrap up the show, um, you know, talking about um, some loss that the the lacrosse community has has gone through in the last uh, couple of months. Um, you know, sadly seeing a a, a pair of coaches uh, leave us a little too soon. Uh, so joining us now is going to be uh, Linda Haytayen, who's the uh, the head lacrosse coach uh, for the Hollis Brookline girls, and was also the um, the girls lacrosse coach at Nashua High in the late '90s when the program started up. Um, you know, one of her players, uh, former players and former uh, colleagues, uh, Lindsay Maynard Toomey, uh, of course, passed away uh, back a, uh, a couple days before Thanksgiving. So we're going to bring Linda on right now. Uh, Linda, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Joe. How are you doing? Uh, hanging in there, trying to, as Chris and I were talking about a little earlier, we're trying to, uh, we're battling off those uh, post-holiday blues, I guess you will, uh, until we can get oh, into yeah. the warmer weather. Um, but um, yeah, we, we wanted to talk to you today. Uh, obviously, uh, spending a little bit of time tonight um, talking about uh, Lindsay Toomey, or, or as some might know her, Lindsay Maynard, uh, back when she was actually playing for you at Nashua High. Um, yes. And, and wanted to get your thoughts on her, uh, maybe share a little bit of insight on her, um, you know, after her uh, sad, you know, passing um, back around Thanksgiving. Now, you, you would mention to me that um, you actually started coaching her, what, when she was 14? Yes, yes. And when you say blues, um, I am still deeply grieving her loss because we were very, very close and we stayed close. Um, You know, I've been in coaching for many years, many programs, and she was one of my original pioneers at Nashua High. And, you know, some of those kids you just get, you know, stay connected to over the years in different chapters of their lives, you know, through high school, through college, you know, through boyfriends, then, you know, post-collegiate careers and moves and then marriages and babies. And and she was one of those kids that our relationship just, you know, beautifully morphed into a very close friendship, you know, went from coach, player, mentor to you know, good friend and colleague. And, um, it's a, it's a very, very, um, difficult time for me. Um, you know, just still grieving her loss. She was very special to me. She was, she was family to me. Yeah. I mean, and you saw her, like you mentioned in so many different capacities, you know, coaching someone that young and then, and then she kind of what followed in your footsteps and, and was coaching at South and, and won a championship there. She did. Yes, she did. And I had the pleasure to work with her. Um, And we would just always collaborate and she would call me and bounce things off of me. And she'd always have the answers. But, you know, sometimes you just need that other ear. And um, it just brings a smile to my face because, you know, especially now we would, you know, I just came back from indoor at the Dome and we'd be talking shop and talking about different players that she's coached and, 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 you know, what's going on in the collegiate world. And, you know, so I definitely not only miss her as a very dear, dear family friend, but also as a, as a colleague to talk about something we both loved very, very deeply, which is lacrosse. <laughs> and you were both coaching um, more recently with, with, um, you know, with Sauhegan, right? With, uh, or before. Yes. You, you know, with before McKinley. Got, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. McKinley had asked me um, 
you know, back early in 2020 and um, to see if I would, you know, help out in the program. And I had never been an assistant coach. And um, I, I, you know, after we spoke, I thought there's no way that I will do this without Lindsay because Lindsay was in the Amherst district for so long. She was a coach at the middle school soccer for years. And then she assisted Marin Petropolis. Uh, and there were promises for her to get that job for year after year. Marin kept saying that she was going to retire. And um, as happy as Lindsay was when McKinley got the job, it, it was also a little tough for her. Right. You know, but she, her, her, uh, Lindsay and McKinley were very, very close. And Lindsay had a lot of respect for McKinley and it was very mutual. So when McKinley had asked me, I said, they'll only come if Lindsay can coach w with us. And she did. And, you know, she was in pain. She was in treatment. She was, you know, a mother of two young kids. And she was exactly how she was as an athlete. She just pushed through. She saw the positive side of everything, every setback, every diagnosis, every surgery. She came at it like a warrior and was fighting intelligently and you know with love for her for her husband Chris and her two children and you know just fighting to stay alive she never had you know never complained about you know poor me it's just whatever what came her way she was ready to tackle it Linda Chris Hattler here thank you again for for coming on with us today um sure Chris how are you I'm I'm um, doing well. It's uh, it's good to be back and, and talking lacrosse and, and obviously it's uh, this is not the easiest thing and you know but um, I wanted I, w I wanted to see you know what, what were some of your favorite memories maybe things that you know ways that she impacted the lacrosse community or you know just just great stories or memories that you can share with the with the audience about her. Yeah, so Lindsay was one of those just very special kids. Um, she was kind but she was tough. And I met her when she was 14 years old and I met her in the locker room at Nashua High. Back then it was just one school and she was a very good soccer player. And my assistant coach at that time, Jen Dyer, Jen Gom Dyer was the soccer coach. And she said, you gotta take a look at this kid. She's a great athlete, but she's all in with soccer. So I met her, met her for 15 minutes in the locker room. She was 14 years old. I said, give me that soccer ball and take this cross deck and give me 15 minutes of your time. If you don't like it, give me back my stick. If you like it, keep the stick and come to tryouts. And she was very curious and she picked up immediately. We were like doing wall ball against the locker room, against the, against the locker in the locker room. We found a little patch of concrete and she, she was a force to be reckoned with. She was so intense. And she was a leader, but she was one of these very typical unsung heroes where she had this depth to her. And she wasn't a big goal scorer because she was um, she was a midi defenseman, defense woman. And, you know, her job was, you know, protecting the net. As you know, defense, they don't get a lot of accolades. And she was fierce, run, a runner. She could run all day long. And she was a great teammate because she put others before herself. And she celebrated other people's success and was just a great teammate and a great role model. She was captain. She was on a back-to-back -back state championship team. And she had just true, true joy and love and and compassion you know for the game and for her teammates and hard hard work a uh, real hard worker she'd be out there she'd be running she'd be wall ball she'd be wanting to learn and then eventually she liked lacrosse better than she liked soccer which was a very celebratory time for me and and i got to imagine you know just the the situation too with starting that program and and you know, at least going back and look, you mentioned the back-to-back -back championships. I think those were the first two, you know, that the NHIA sanctioned the, those championships, correct? 
Um, yes, just it was. To be a part yes, of all was. that kind of, to, to be starting a new program at a, at a school, you know, like Nashua High, I, I imagine that was, that took a lot probably too, especially given, you know, where soccer was at that point. Oh, soccer was huge, yeah. and AAU basketball was huge. We had athletes that were, you know, uh, eyeing to play at the collegiate level, both soccer and basketball. I know I had Carol Dudley, who was, was going to be a big, you know, across, excuse me, um, basketball recruit. She was big into AAU, and, you know, she ended up getting a, you know, D1 scholarship like Lindsay did um, to Townsend, and, you know, Lindsay uh, went to Wagner and then transferred to SUNY Cortland. And um, these girls, you know, Lindsay specifically just enveloped the love for the game and, and the trajectory of success for her was, was wonderful. So, so nice to watch and to, for her to continue at a, the collegiate level uh, was just, I was like a proud mama. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was really special. It was really special. We had to fight hard to get it recognized and we did. And she was a trailblazer and um she, I was, you know, when we were gathering pictures for her services, uh, I, I kept scrapbooks and I got them out of the basement and the joy in her face. Back then, there was a lot of print media, right? right. Nothing was online. There was no Instagram. <laughs> there was no Facebook. Um, I had wonderful relationships with all the papers, the Union Leader, the Nashua Telegraph, the Lowell Sun, the, you know, uh, well, you know, several, several local papers. And I would run around and cut the articles out and, and, you know, paste them in an old school scrapbook. And there, if you see like her intensity, there's one of her running and she's got like this fire in her eye where she's just focused on the ball. She doesn't have the ball in her stick, but she's like running down a, a midfielder. And, you know, there's one where she's triple teaming a star player from Concord. And it just, it's just she was she was an incredible person, an incredible athlete, just a warrior, a hard worker. And as our relationship, you know, matured into colleagues, you know, we would often say, what the heck happened to the culture? She's like, God, when we used to, you know, play for you, Linda, we would, you know, we would do anything. We would we didn't have all these club teams and we would. You know, you would make us run bridge to bridges and, the, and mines falls <laughs> yeah. and, you know, people just don't know how to dig in. And, it, you know, anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but she was very, very intense, but very kind. You have a lot of these players lately, these rock stars. Um, and, you know, well, I'll be frank, they're, they're, they're not they're not true teammates. They care only about themselves and their highlight reels. And Lindsay was not that at all. She was one that always would write a handwritten note to me, you know, as a teenager, thanking me to be her coach. And, and you know, just kids don't do that anymore. Or a lot of, a lot of kids don't do that anymore. And it's, at a, such a young age, she was that person that just went the extra mile on in every level and every aspect of her life, whether it would be, you know, what do you, I'm, I'm coming to the field, Linda, I'm stopping at Starbucks. Can I bring you a coffee? You know, or, you know, can I, you know, coming to the house on a holiday, bringing, you know, roses and pastries and whatever, and just always, always thinking of the other person till the end, to the very end of her life, always thinking of the other person. Well, Linda, want to um, want to thank you so much again for for joining us and and, and talking about Lindsay and, and sharing your thoughts on her. Um, just a, a, a you know, I, I I got to meet her a couple times, you know, when when she was coaching and and um, just I always enjoyed talking to her. Didn't see her as much, obviously later, but um, but yeah, I remember enjoying talking to her and and just how how passionate she was about the game. And I'm really glad that you were able to share some of that with us too. Oh, thank you. It's a real honor. Lindsay was a class act and she will be so missed in the community. And it was so beautiful when we got to coach together with McKinley at, at Sauhegan because she she aged up with a lot of those kids. She taught them in her middle school program. So she knew them. She knew the families. She knew the siblings. She and they adored her. They adored Lindsay. She was tough. She was fair. 
and firm and passionate and kind, but she would make you accountable. And, um, you know, there was, there was no fluff with her when, when it came to tactic, strategy, and work ethic. Linda, I was going to ask you to, to sum it up and how you, how, how you think she'll be remembered and how you'll remember her and her legacy. But I think, I think you wrapped it up really well there. And uh, it sounds like there'll be a lot of, a lot of future lacrosse players and, and players already that, have, that were, um, you know, really affected by her in a really positive way. And um, do you think, in your opinion, is that, is that the, the, the lasting legacy that she will leave behind is just, you know, an incredible help to grow girls lacrosse in the state of New Hampshire? Well, I think that she will leave an impact on many areas, not only in the lacrosse community, but also, you know, in Amherst, at the Amherst Middle School. I mean, she taught there for years and they closed down the Amherst Middle School on the day of her funeral. There were 3,000 people that showed up for her wake. They were there till, you know, close to midnight, I believe. And that speaks volumes of, of, you know, how far her reach was of her impact that she had on people. Her young little 41-year-old life, a day before she was going to turn 42, to have 3,000 people come and show their respects. I mean, that is just incredible. It's just incredible. She was very much loved and very much admired of all facets of life, not just the lacrosse world, but in you know education, in community service, in lacrosse, and at her school, at her kids' school, at St. Christopher's, her friends, her colleagues, her 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 teammates, her high school teammates, her collegiate teammates. I mean, it, the the Ripple effects go on and on and on. The tentacles go so far and so deep of who she impacted and the mark that she left in people's hearts. Oh, and we're talking about um, Lindsay Toomey or, or is, you know, uh, she was Lindsay Maynard in, in high school. Um, sadly, uh, you know, passed away the week of Thanksgiving, um, you know, this past year. Uh, Linda, again, thanks for uh, for taking the time. And uh, looking forward to, to chatting with you uh, about, you know, some some of the prospects that are coming up uh, with this spring, um, you know, in, in a few weeks or a few months, however far out we are here. Uh, but again, thank you for, for talking with thank, us. Thank you. And my condolences also um, for Bill Munson. Uh, when I coached there, he was a player and I, I didn't know him personally, so to speak. But that is a very, very sad, I, I collaborated with him because I still, to this day, uh, give a scholarship to Nashua High School, both North and South. And I've collaborated with him over the years to pick out the male player that's going to get my scholarship, that's going to go on to play lacrosse. And, you know, what I knew of him was, was very kind, very great guy that was admired. And my condolences go out, I mean, two young Nashua yeah. coaches within a month of each other. It's it's tragic. It is. It's yeah. just tragic, yeah. leaving you know young spouses and young children. So we need to, I guess, be grateful and thankful for the times that we had with them. And you know, you, we never know. There, by the grace of God, go I. So you never know. So take each day, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you both for having me. It's quite an honor. And um, I really love talking about my good friend, my good colleague, my former player and uh, family to me. Linda, we'll, we'll, we'll do it again. Hopefully we'll do it under, under much happier circumstances next time. Excellent. Thank you again for coming on. Okay. Thank you guys. And thanks again uh, to Linda for joining us. And, and as she mentioned there, um, you know, the other, other loss in the Nashua uh, coaching community. Of course, um, you know, former boys coach, boys lacrosse coach at South, Bill Monson, um, you know, suffered a heart attack on th on Thanksgiving and, uh, you know, passed away a couple of weeks afterwards, December 13th, from, from complications due to that. Uh, and I had, I don't know, you know, Coach, what you had heard, but I, you know, was keeping up to date with a couple of other, um, you know, Nashua people. It sounded like he was... 
maybe taking a turn in the right direction and then it just sounded like things you know went back and and, and sadly um you know he wasn't wasn't able to pull through but just feels like a, another huge loss for for the lacrosse community here in nashua I think the whole thing was unexpected. Yeah, remember, it's like someone, uh, you know, I still consider myself fairly young, and, and he was, you know, around our age, you know, and, and um, you know, it's, it's always tried to pass his way, but um, very unexpected. And, and you're right, he was, uh, by all indications, it seemed like things were going in the right direction. I, I uh, was playing lacrosse on Monday nights with some guys and um, who knew him, and, and we're actually, um, you know, getting updates from the hospital and other things. And, and people were very optimistic. It seemed like, it, you know, he had, he had gotten medical attention in time and, and um, things were getting better. And then, unfortunately, it didn't. Um, you know, and both both Bill and Lindsay are, are two people that uh, were incredibly, incredibly loved um, in, the, in the national community and in the Amherst community. And, um, you know, I think uh, Linda had mentioned how many how many people, over 3,000 people had, had come out to um, Lindsay's, um, you know, celebration. And, and the same thing happened for Bill. Um, I was able to talk to a lot of people who were able to go down on that Monday night. And um, just it, it felt like national stuff was just packed. And the yeah. was amazing. There. And like a lot of great tributes. Um, you know, I... I didn't know Bill really, really well, but I knew Bill from my time of, of living down around that area. I lived, I lived on the Nashville Hollis border, and we we sort of shared the same exit and the same uh, gas station coffee stop in the morning. And um, <laughs> you know, we'd always come in and you know just trade quick stories about things we're going. We didn't play in the same division, and um, you know, but um, you know, he, he would talk about his players, and the, the thing that I always took away from him is he really just generally loved coaching kids. You could see it in his face. You could see it with the way that he interacted with them. Um, and especially over the last, you know, I would say four to five years, what he did with that Nashville South program was really, really special. And, um, you know, all the attributes that I saw from online and social media and other things from, from his, you know, recent, um, you know, former players, it was incredible. I mean, he meant the world to those kids and uh, he made a big, he made a big difference in their lives. And, um, you know, much like, much like Lindsay, I think that's going to be the legacy. They were both teachers. They were both educators and they, and they made impacts in the, um, in the lives of their kids that they, they coached. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I was able to make it over there for the, uh, for Bill's, um, you know, memorial there at South and you're right. It was, I've been over there for a lot of events, you know, it was held in the gym, never had any trouble, you know, parking in front of the school. And I got there 20 minutes early and had to park around the back of the school. Uh, it was that that packed, um, you know, almost a, a full gym. Um, so many, and it was it was, you know, as we've talked about before, being uh, a Nashua alum, it was. It was kind of strange uh, seeing not just so many people from, you know, my days doing this, but but seeing some people that I hadn't seen or thought of from, you know, from my days in high school. Um, and, you know, I didn't I didn't really know Bill outside of, you know, this world, um, you know, but I always enjoyed talking with him, you know, getting his opinion on things or getting his thoughts on things, because we always had and, and, and you and I, you know, have had this at times, too. Um, and I have it with a lot of coaches where, where they'll, we'll do our interview and we'll talk about stuff on the record. And as soon as we're done, I knew I was always going to get, you know, Bill's second interview or, or his, his, you know, other thoughts that, uh, you know, were maybe a little bit more personal, um, little, you know, things that, that he saw that necessarily didn't want out there. Um, but he always had other stuff to, to tell me about too, you know, what other things that were going on and things that he liked with the program and, and I know he, you know, like you said, he had such a passion for, for coaching. Um, and I know it was a tough call for him. He, he had stepped down at the end of last season, um, you know, with the, with the hope of spending more time with the family. He was still coaching an assistant coach at football. And, and really, you know, from a lot of people I've talked to, it seemed like he was maybe the, the next in line to, to take over that program whenever, whenever Scott Knight decides to step down. Um, you know, and, and, and I know he was... He, he, football was probably his first love, but you know lacrosse wasn't that far behind, and and it you know it was a tough thing for him to to walk away from that, and just going to be a a huge hole in the uh, the national lacrosse community. What you know, Joe, you you know you know him even better than I did. I mean, 
mean, do you have any do you have any fun fun memories or stories or things from, from coaching that you know you saw him on the sidelines in either football or lacrosse or you know what do you, what do you think his legacy what legacy did he leave with those kids and with with the Nashua community? Well, I I'm I don't know about memories specifically, but the thing that always that that comes to mind, and I mentioned this in in the the you know uh, piece I wrote uh, a couple weeks ago, was um, we had he and I had talked about you know, having South uh, Lacrosse on the season uh, in 2020. Uh, we'd actually had a meeting uh, That's right. late, late February to, to discuss, you know, kind of the, the you know, what, what we had to do to basically make it happen. And we were going to try to make it happen. You know, um, the, the administration, I believe at South, had, had given him the green light to, to go forward with it. Um, we were going to try to find sponsors um, he'd said the kids, I, be, I be, feel like I remember him saying the kids were, were excited about it. You know, they were going to be a pretty good team that year. And then of course, you know, COVID happens. And, uh, I really feel like that was, uh, you know, of all the, the bad things that happened with around that, um, that was one that really disappointed me. Cause I think that that would have been a lot of fun to be around that team and be around bill. Um, and especially now to have that to, to go look back to if that had happened. Um, you know, but, but I think, you know, he was, he was a guy who, if you, uh, you know, if you made a mistake, he was going to let you know, but he was also going to tell you how to fix it. Um, and I think, I think the kids valued that. Um, I think he also had a relationship with kids that, yeah. that he could do that too, you know, where they knew it was coming from a, a loving and, and caring, um, you know, place. Basically. Yeah. That, that was something that, um, you know, I, I did talked to um trevor knight uh scott knight's son um who you know played and coached with bill um on the football side and that was one thing that he mentioned was that that monson had a way of you know not just telling you you know where you screwed up and what you needed to fix but making you want to fix it for him uh and and that's you know that kind of coach is not an easy it's not an easy thing to teach no. coaches how to do either sometimes you either have it or you don't you know it's, it's about being able to read people and their body language and other things like that yeah bill bill had that yeah yeah it's definitely um yeah two two really tough uh losses for the the lacrosse community both in nashua and the and with with Lindsay maynard uh to me over in in amherst um well, uh, but I think uh, I don't know any <laughs> ending on a uh, little uh, sadder note. Um, but any other thoughts or anything that popped up uh, with you, Chris, over you know the last uh, couple of weeks that you want to mention, or, or anything coming up uh, that you want to mention? Well, you know, we look to you know again um, with, with with both of those two losses, you know, incredible losses for the for the Nashua community and the kids and. But I, I think, you know, going forward, they, they do leave an incredible legacy behind. They help to grow lacrosse in such a special way. I hope that that there will be people that will be inspired, that continue to be inspired by them. And, and lacrosse continues to grow in that area. Um, and that will remember them for all, for all the good things that they did do for the programs there um, in the coming year. Because, um, you know, we, it is the new year here and uh, it's, it's about growth and rebirth. And, um, you know, I think with both... <clears throat> with both of their legacies that they've left behind, there, there's opportunities there for that, for, for, to, to build off of that in 2020, 20, in 2023 <laughs> there. Yeah, still, um, still not used to, to it yet. Still not used to saying no, that yet. No. But, um, you know, as we mentioned in the beginning of the broadcast, um, we, we are kind of, you know, we're past the mid year here. We're, we're the new year. We we're almost at the second half of, of the indoor season there. Um, you know, I'd encourage our listeners to check out some of the coverage that you've been giving to the, the indoor league over in Bedford. There. There's some good cross being played there. Kind of a, kind of a you see a lot of the good players and teams um, that are to get ready for that. There's, I know it's getting me excited, um, you know, <laughs> talking about all the, the recruits that we are the, yeah, the college recruits that, that we've talked about here. And then, um, you know, I think in the coming months, we'll start start talking about doing some previews here for the season and, you um, you know, just, just getting excited. I mean, it, it's been hard not to think about the spring with the way the weather's been. Right. You know, I've, I've had a, I've had a lot of guys going out on the turf and shooting and running and, and doing things because why not take it? How how often do you get this type of weather in the middle of, you know, December and January? You might as well take advantage of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the, no snow on the turf. So 
Yeah, get on it while you can. I don't think we're going to get away. I don't think we're going to get away scot free, but we still might as well take advantage of it while, while we can here. You can't go skiing. You might as well, might as well play some cross. Well, I'm glad you brought up previews because uh, our, our intent, um, you know, as I said before, we wanted to do more of these between this one and, and last September. Uh, but our, our intention is to do a, uh, a little college preview uh, coming up in February. Take a look at where some of the, uh, the New Hampshire um, athletes who have gone on to play in college, where they are at. So uh, we'll, we'll do that in February. And, uh, you know, if, if um, you're, you're the parent of a, a college athlete or, or one yourself and you happen to be listening to us, Feel free to reach out and make sure we uh, we've got you on our on our list of uh, of uh, athletes that have continued on at the next level. Now that's part of our new DraftKings uh, promotional package, right? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna pick the over under on the number sure, of wins yeah. for college teams. Right? I mean, if 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 they want to throw us some money to do that, yeah, I'd I'd be I'd be more than happy to promote. Uh, although I don't I don't know if. Uh, on a on, well, I mean, if it's a college specific podcast, yeah, we could probably get away with that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> I think the other thing, the other thing I'm looking forward to too, Joe, and I think you saw it there is uh, we can talk a little bit about the the NHIA has sort of dipped its toe in uh, and, and name, image, and likeness there too. Yes. We can talk about that coming up soon. too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, definitely. A little we'll, little teaser. Yeah. A lot to touch on uh, next month. Um, but uh, Chris, thanks again for for doing this. Uh, I know talking lacrosse in January is uh, not the easiest thing because uh, there's not as much going on, but uh, I think we I think we made it through. Always enjoy it, Don. We'll do it. We'll do it again. We'll look forward to February, and we'll, we got it. We have it on the calendar. So Excellent. It's gonna yes. happen. It's gonna happen. Gonna happen. He is Chris Hetler. I'm Joe Marcellina. Thanks for listening to us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.